every choice you make in life is either building up your faith or building up your unbelief. <laughs> I gave you a story of a young man who was supposed to marry a woman and refused because he called her unclean. And I said to you, be careful. Where to pay back later? It will be in the time when God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations and inheritance in your business. He will suddenly discover the inability to ask. I must talk about that ability again. Once I was listening to Ken Hagen teach, and he was praying for one man. He, was, he said he was praying for one man. The man was sick. And he came, I think he laid hand on the man. I can't remember the details now. Because he was a prophet, God used to give him interesting visions. He said, suddenly, he's, he said, the Lord told him that, I want to heal him, but he won't receive it. Now, the, look, there are things that I have seen in life and I've meditated. I said, life is not the way people think it is. Because then as a young man, why would God want to heal a man? And the man will say no. This man had prayed and prayed. People had prayed. Then suddenly he had a vision. That this man of God had a vision. And he saw the Lord Jesus appear physically. And stood at the foot of the man's bed. With something in his hand. Like a small vial or a substance in his hand. And he knew that was the man's healing. And he stretched it out to that man. The man couldn't see the vision. He just knew this man was praying with him. And teaching him the word of God. Yet suddenly he would get up from his sick bed, walk up to where the Lord Jesus was standing, put out his two hands to receive that thing that this other man could see, but he could not see. But there was just an operation of the Spirit. He would just go there, put out his hands like this. And suddenly he would drop the hands and say, Forget it. That happened like two or three times. And the Lord looked at this man and said, I told you I wanted to heal him, but he wouldn't accept it. That thing knocked me out like, What is going on here? How can the Lord come to give you healing tangible? They realized suddenly, that means there was something missing. There was a capacity to accept it that was missing in his life. It was not as if he did not have the desire to be healed. He died, I think, the following day. Or a few days later, the man died. And it was never the Lord's will for him to die. And that's why the Lord came. And wanted to heal him. But what the capacity to collect it then, where did it go? That's my message, Joe. Anytime you see great faith, seed was sown at a time. It is the manifestation of that seed. It's the fruit of it that we see and call great faith. That's why sometimes... We want to emulate what we think is great faith. We don't know that you don't emulate fruit, you emulate seed. You don't wake up one day and try and jump on water. You may survive the first few steps. <laughs> when the breeze blows, <laughs> the capacity to look away from the breeze suddenly is missing. Great faith, I found out, it's always a fruit. It's never a seed. Nobody wakes up in the morning and suddenly has great faith. No. Jesus said you need to have faith as a seed. As a mustard seed. Another principle of seed sowing, 
This is where I disagree with most people that preach on seed and all of that in Christianity. Seed, as a Christian, can never be targeted. What do I mean? You can't get up and say, see this seed, I want to use it to get that thing. No, you don't have that capacity. What the Bible says is, sow your seed in the morning. And at night, keep on sowing it. Literally, Solomon said, you don't know the one that will do well, or whether both of them will do good. But this is a principle, what he was saying. Sow the seed continually. You cannot get up and say, this morning, that's the commonest fallacy we practice in Christianity. This morning is my seed for this. We don't have that right. We don't have that privilege, I want you to say, in Christianity. You don't know what which seed will produce. Your duty as a believer is to sow continually. Let me talk about money briefly again. That is why I tell Christians, when they say give one offering and your life won't be the same again, it's one of two things. Either you have been giving many offerings and that one is the last one, or that's your first one and you have to water it for the next 10 years. Did you hear what I said? If they say give one million, tomorrow you get a hundred million. Just check. Is this my first one million? If the answer is yes, you're not getting anything tomorrow. <laughs> when I get it, start laughing. Now, I don't mean one million, literally now. But if this is the first time you want to give, they say give something that will pain you. If this is the first thing that's paining you, it will pain you for a long time. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. Listen, if it has not been paining you in small, small, you know, small, small ways for a long time, you can't give one today and it will germinate tomorrow. Listen, listen, let's just tell ourselves the truth. If it was working like that, you know every Christian in Enugu will be a multi-millionaire. In America, say, forget Enugu. Every Christian in America will be a multi-millionaire. All the Christians in Nigeria will be multi-millionaires. Why are they not multi-millionaires? I'll tell you. Because it doesn't work like that. What I'm going to emphasize is that, listen, the seed sowing of a believer, true seed sowing of Christians, is a constant life. You are always sowing it. You are always sowing it. You don't know the one that will produce the thing that we're talking about. You don't know. Targeted seed sowing does not work for Christians. You can't get up and say, all right, I need a new car. Let me give out a bicycle. Because what a man sows, he shall also reap. If you do like that, you will reap a hundred bicycles. It doesn't work like that. A brother gave me, gave me, gave me money, one small money. Was telling, it was my, I think one of our children was doing something. So he gave my wife dollars, like one dollar, two dollars. And I say, no, it's not the, that we shouldn't mind the quantity that he's doing something. Like he wants to be receiving his reward in U.S. dollars. I felt like saying that, look, God can calculate too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the law can do exchange. Don't worry about that. It's some of the fetishism we Christians practice. You know, it's not Christianity, actually. It's not. What God gives people is in response to their faith. It's not something that they give. No. Go and read your scriptures very well. They asked. And once they could ask, once they could ask in faith, he gave it to them. Are you getting my point? So don't say, okay, I need a toy house. I go and give out a toy house. It doesn't work like that. If you need a house, you know what you do? Ask of me, and I'll give you the mansions as an inheritance. That's how it is. 
All right? We need to get that clear. I, I, I can't say that thing enough. Because Christians hear the opposite all the time and they misbehave a lot. And they are still wondering why they have not, their lives haven't changed after all these years. It's because you are practicing what is not true. Anything you can't make a habit, don't count on it. What I mean is this. You go to church on Sunday, pastor says, I need 20 people to give 10, 10 million. Say, clear your account, sell your father's land, sell everything. Once you do it, your life won't be the same again. I can assure you of one thing. If you will do it and be in distress, don't bother. It's as if they didn't do anything. People who couldn't do that without the pressure of the promise, are you getting my point? Shouldn't bother doing it at all. If you are doing it because somebody promised a reward, you are wasting your time. Are you saying people can't give out things like that? I never said so. I keep on giving as an example, God forbid. It won't happen in Jesus' name, what I'm about to say. But let us assume my wife is sick now, sick unto death. And they say to have her healed, assuming that it's predictable. There is this treatment we want to use, and it will require me to sell everything that I have. Do you think I will sell it? Do you think I will sell it? Yes. Are you sure I will sell it? Yes. You are certain I will sell it. This is like she said that when I'm healed, I will make you a billionaire. Nothing like that. It is just simply that she's my wife, and I can't bear to see her suffer. Sell land, sell house, sell cars, sell everything. As long as I have that guarantee, nah, why not? If I'm not even guarantee, you know, even if it's 50-50, what's the guarantee? You will check it. Let it not be as if we didn't do everything. You will do it. Why? Because of love, not because of any promise. If we can love human beings like that, we can love the gospel like that. I hope you get my point. I remember this man, um, I'm digressing again, but let me just continue my gist. Brother Andrew, in God's Smuggler. Brother Andrew used to take Bibles behind the iron curtain of communism of those days in Eastern Europe. And he had a car he used to use. Then one day he went somewhere and saw a tiny Bible, a small print Bible, which was about a quarter or one-fifth of the size of the one he normally carries around. Complete Bible. So uh, he said to the people, where can I get this to buy? They said they don't print it anymore. So he went to the printers. They said he had to buy maybe like 10,000 copies for them to print it. Because he realized that each trip, he could not deliver five times, four times the number of Bibles he used to deliver. Meanwhile, by that time, he had just completed a house from money that people sent to him. And his wife had systematically, I don't know what I get the point, built up the house by herself. You know the way they do on those countries, you know, like, she chose the design, cutting everything. The woman was proud that this is our house. When they told him the cost, it was the same amount as if he sold the house. I don't know what you're getting the point. To print all these Bibles was what he would get from selling that house. So he went home and told the wife, this house is fine. No? Oh, I can't even give it to God. <laughs> you know those kind of, start brushing the subject. He knew how much the woman loved the house. So finally, one they just said simply, you know what, I was just thinking we should just give this money, as a, this house as an offering. The woman got up and said, this is my house. And she walked away from him and left him and went and hid herself in the room. And the man was now begging God. I beg now, talk to her. <laughs> Please. Anyway, let's make a long story short. After some days, the woman came out again and said, okay, sell it. 
Why? He wanted to print Bibles so that every trip he could quadruple the amount of Bibles he was carrying. If we have to do that, we do it because of what? Love. I hope you are getting my point. Which takes me to the next point. I'm more happy I'm mentioning it. Love, I'm talking about repentance. When God re- reveals our strongholds to us, we take the strongholds to Him in prayer. And let me just say something about strongholds. There are reasons for them. There is a reason why you have that stronghold. And God is saying that, listen, I understand it. But I want you not to, that stronghold has become for you a God. Like the man who said, if I don't go to America, I will not prosper. His prosperity is looking for. And God is not angry with prosperity. What God is angry with is that America is not God. I am God and there is none else. So drop that stronghold. Bear that in mind. Repentance. Stronghold, bring it down to God because stronghold is a major fault. Alright, fault for unbelief. But I want to bring up this issue concerning love I just spoke about now. Remember I talked about sowing your seed in the morning. Sowing your seed at night. We Christians, we sow our seeds continually. I was giving that money as an example. You must make giving a habit. Stop sowing one particular seed. Stop waking up one Sunday morning. Today I'm going to sow a special seed so I can prosper during that week. It does not work. It does not work. A few people will tell you testimonies because they are based on what I call prophetic manifestations. And that one you will find out is far in between. If you hear it spoken to 10,000 people, it's only directed at two people inside there. Hardly more than five. And for them, it's, it's an end, not the beginning most times. Please bear that in mind. So what do we do as believers? We sow our seed how? 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 I want to hear one more time. We sow our seeds continually. Don't give because of what you want to get. Become a giver. Are you getting my point? A giver is an attitude, is a lifestyle, is a nature. Those who give because of what they want to get, they are not givers. A giver gives, always giving. Most times he can't even remember what he gave because it's a habit. That is a lifestyle that produces results with God. Godliness with contentment. That is once I have done it, I have done it. I'm not worried. I don't care about the reward. Will reward come? It will. Why? Because there's a word of God that says so. But I'm not doing it because of the reward. I'm doing it because I have become a giver. Bear that in mind. Now, talking about the seed of faith, I want to just bring out a particular scripture. Very important, we understand it. Or a number of scriptures. Remember I said, every time you see great faith, there was a seed. And that's the seed we're talking about. And as a believer, we must plant our seeds all the time. Quickly, I want us to read two scriptures. Open it, first of all, to Matthew chapter 8. And at the same time, flip over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 15. I want to just bring out two expressions there. Concerning the matter of great faith. Let's read from verse 5. The Bible says concerning the Lord Jesus that he entered into Capernaum. And a centurion came to him imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. 
fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the man said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And I said what he said in verse 9, I'm under authority and all of that. And I have soldiers under me. In verse 10, the Bible says, Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Let me just stop here. I don't want to read the rest of it because my point is clear. I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Go down to the other one, which is Matthew chapter 15. From verse 21, it is the story of the Syrophoenician woman. In 21, the Bible says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. The Bible says in 23 that the Lord did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Send her away because she keeps shouting. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. I've read these two portions, which we all know very well. Most of us know all these stories about the Lord Jesus. I read these two portions to bring out an issue here. The expression, great faith. That was why I wrote a book titled, Great Faith Can Be Yours. Correct me if I'm wrong, I've thought about it. I'm not aware of him using that expression for anybody else apart from these two people. Now what I want to bring, I thought about the seeds of faith. Remember, anytime you see great faith, hmm? The faith, there was a season of seed. That great faith is a manifestation of, is a fruit. It's not the seed. If you go and read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. One of them is what? Faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And that tells you, there was a seed of the spirit that was planted. You can't choose the fruit. You can only choose the seed. It's the time of seed you have a choice. Not the time of fruit. I said when Jesus came, the time of seed planting was gone. They were in harvest season. John the Baptist was the time of seed planting. So he did no mighty work. But people were repenting and were being baptized. That was the seed. This, these two people, the Bible, the Lord said, these, these people, they have faith. Both of them, they had great faith. 
What I want you to note here is that none of these two people ask for anything for themselves. Look at it. The first one asks for his servant. The second one asks for her daughter. <laughs> Did you catch that? The first one asks for his servant. The second one asks for her daughter. And that teaches me something instantly when looking at it. That is, the Bible says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision profits anything, but what? Faith which works by love. Are you seeing it? Working in love, therefore, is a major seed of faith. It's a major seed. It's a major seed. One of the reasons why faith has had a problem in Christianity is because most times we are taught to focus on ourselves when it comes to the manifestation of faith. As a young person, virtually all the faith we learned was how to get something for ourselves. To get money. To get healing, which is good. Money is not bad. Healing is good. To get, you know. That's why it was difficult for the faith not to be mixed with covetousness. It was difficult because it was always claim something. You're going, you see a car, you like it, you claim it. So the faith message became very popular with wicked people. Because it was a means to get. And for that reason, it gathered a lot of bad name. Not because the message was wrong, but because the people were not right. Faith was focused on grab, grab, grab. Read the story of faith throughout the life of Paul. You will see that he employed his faith all the time for two things. In fact, for one thing. Well, okay, let me just say a number of things. Let's not count, all right? All of them centered around the calling of God for his life and being a blessing to believers. That's it. Paul used his faith all the time for those things. You see him every time he's talking about his mark of apostleship. You tell how he endured hardship, how he was in shipwrecks, how he was in the waters for 20, 48 hours, how he went often without food. That also activated grace in his life. You know, I, made a, I, I wrote something about it then, that what's the mark of apostleship these days? Many pastors think, <laughs> not many pastors, many people think that a man of God is known by, how do you know a man of God? Title, thank you, thank you. Most reverend, daddy in the Lord. <laughs> Another one. The kind of car, no, apart from titles, the kind of car he drives. The size of the congregation. And that's a sign for many of us who are ignorant that this man is anointed. If I just feel like reading this one for us, eh, it will be interesting. Let's see what Paul said were his signs of apostleship. This just by the way, all right? This is not the main, the main thing we are looking at, but... Quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You see what Paul said were his signs of apostleship, which is very interesting. <laughs> oh, Lord, the Lord is good. He said, I'll rush because of time, all right? He's just talking about many things, verse 3. He said, giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. 
but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God. In everything. Now, what are the things? In much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labor, labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. In genuine love. In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right, for the right hand and the left. By glory and dishonor. By evil report and good report. Regarded as deceivers and yet true and all of that. I'm going to stop here, alright? I just want to show you what Paul said. You want to see that we are true servants of God? It was not in the size of cars we drove. It was in how we handled hardship. It was in how we handled difficulty. One major leak of faith, listen to me. If your faith is all the time being exercised to get you something, your faith can never work strong. It can, no matter how much you practice it, it will not work strong. Many times people, you know, we read books. Trying to build up our faith is only purely forgetting. That is so we can acquire some more. It doesn't work strong. It doesn't work strong. You see, Paul, his faith was strong because virtually everything he did was centered around the fact that, listen, I'm an apostle. Nothing must stand between me and fulfillment of my calling and the fulfillment of my calling. That's what I said earlier. Everything we are doing in life as believers, let's look, at, let's look for the calling side of it. Too. Listen, I need to emphasize that. Everything you are doing in life as a believer, look at it as a calling. If you can't see a calling in it, find something else to do. Start saying, no, no I have to get out of here. If you are going to work every day, and the work is all about, one day I will build a house. <laughs> Which you pass away, amen? amen? May your house pass away. Somebody say amen. amen. And my own too. Somebody say amen. amen. Say the amen now. Amen. It's the word of God. All these things will pass away. <laughs> There's no, if you like, don't say amen. The house will pass away. Look, they, don't feel bad about it. Sometimes we behave as if we don't realize what is important. We invest all our time and energy in something that we know we pass away. Listen, there's a reason why God gave us houses, gave us cars, gave us things. It is so that we can use those things to fulfill a call in life. If your life is about let me go to work so I can get money to eat and drink and educate my children and all of that, listen, your faith can never be great. Faith is only strong. It's built strong our hearts are ready to receive a pouring of great faith when we have a goal in life that we see as a mission from God. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's how it is. That's why sometimes unbelievers seem to be able to believe some things that Christians can't. Look at these two people. One was a Roman centurion. The other was a Syrophoenician woman. None of them were Jews. These were not Jews. Yet they were able to connect with something. Let's go back. Look, that first one we read, let's go back to it. Matthew chapter 8. Yes. Please go, quickly go back to it. Okay, let me just start from verse 10. The Lord Jesus said, he marveled and said to those who were following him, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. In verse 11 he said, I say to you that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. 
And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. Now, let me say something to you here. You know why I read this? Now, quickly, this is not exactly what the Lord was saying, or it may have been, but I want to apply the principle in there. Let's talk about this mission assignment in life. I said that love, love is a major seed of faith. All right? Love is defined in two ways. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all right? And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And there are two sides to, well, there are things to draw from each one of them. Loving the Lord thy God with all your heart is, if a man loves me, Jesus said he will do what? He will keep my word. So, you will obey the principles of God and obey his calling for your life. That's love for God. It's not God, I want to give you a kiss. Nothing like that. Love for God is obedience to his word. Obedience to whatever he says. That's what love for God is. Love for human beings is simple. It's trying your best to be of benefit to that person. He's hungry, I want to feed him. He's sick, I want to heal him. She's lost, I want to give her direction. Love for God is anything he says we shall do. Now, faith, we're talking about faith now. Manifestation of faith. Faith is how you draw things out of the spiritual realm down to the realm's physical realm. I want to apply this particular scripture that you will find unbelievers. They will come from the east, the west, and come and recline with Abraham. But the Christians that God said, do something for me, they will be far away. I'm going somewhere. When a man sits down and says, let us build our nation, God loads faith into his heart. He starts believing for building refineries. Why children, the people of God are looking for a visa to America. I don't know whether you caught what I'm saying there. He downloads faith from God to build things on the nation, in the nation. Why the people of God are blessed and praise God, if only I can just have a house of my own. My grandfather did not have a house. Break off this shame from our life. All of you are going to have fire. That one doesn't bother you. It is the fact that they don't have a house in the village. That's your prayer point. And we gather every... Listen, if we gather... Listen to me. I want to say this as a matter of fact. If for a year, churches gather every... Their night vigil that they have every Friday or every month. And the prayer point is, everybody pray that God, though, in this life... I will affect this generation for you. The gift of God inside me must be manifested. If we pray for one year, this nation will change. They won't know what's going on. Why is not changing as much as it should have changed? Even though many of us go to church, is that we still are not praying the right prayer points. The prayer points are still majorly focused on two things. One, kill my enemies so at least finally I can prosper. And then number two, please help me to prosper so I can eat some more extra. Is it only my neighbor that the children can go to America for holiday? God, wipe away this shame. Begin to pray. That is why you will sow seed. Because, and you know why God is making you sow those seeds? So you can become poorer than before. That is all. But if you say, God, forget my neighbor. Forget the witches. Ah, ah. Will a man just live? Will a woman just live and say, all I lived for was I ate and drank and I died? No. We mo- Listen, I'm saying this to you. Great faith is something God pours into our hearts as a fruit for having sown the right seeds. That's what I'm teaching. Great faith is something God pours into our hearts 
And listen to me. When that faith is there, oh, that's where I'm going now. When that faith is there, you will ask the Lord and he will give you the nations as an inheritance. You will ask the Lord and he will give you the ends of the earth. Listen, let's talk about developing a nation. Buhari can never develop a nation. He's but one man. There is nothing... Listen. What do you call uh, our former minister for power? Power. Nebo. Professor Nebo. Some people like to criticize and insult and abuse. Hmm? Me, I like the man. I liked him because I knew was a, I know him to be a true Christian. He's not a joker. He used to be my neighbor. I did not know he was going to be a big man. I've been greeting him better. <laughs> That's what the Bible says, so, so you're greeting in the morning. <laughs> and at night, keep on greeting. You never know. My wife will remember him when we were living in Transsecuru those days. When I was short after we came to Enugu. When she and I would go around jogging in the morning, he also used to go around walking with his wife. And he had a rule. That's how you know a true Christian. He had a rule. Anytime he's with, he's with his wife, he must be holding her hand. You know when you're going exercising? In the morning, you're walking. They are walking with hands locked. You know he's not lying. He's a true Christian. Any man that can love his wife like that is of God. All these wicked souls, they don't like their wives. They don't love their wives. <laughs> no, the man, no. That's my reason for believing that the man was a true believer. And then one day, Kingsley and I, Kingsley had a letter for him. Then he was, our, then he was, it was DVC in um, Esuth. After that, he now became the vice chancellor in um, UNM. So one of those days, Kingsley, one of our brothers here, and I we went to see him. So when we got to his house, he had a letter from him from Abuja. And he came to see us, you know. There was a way he spoke. You know, this man really believes. You understand my point? And Kingsley was greeting him and he began to talk about the glory of God, how it's important to reflect some things. Aha! Aha! This man is not lying. He knows the Lord. Amen. Amen. And one day they said I should come and preach somewhere. Why? Because Professor Nebo could not come. So they said, please, Pastor Banke, come and preach because Professor Nebo was going to be absent. So that day when I was preaching, his wife came for that meeting. And I greeted her and gave him a message, please greet God for me. We used to be neighbors, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't see the future. <laughs> the Lord is good. And that's just by the way, I just used it. So I greeted her that day. Now, so I believe the man to be a true believer, all right? So when he became minister, he said that, that he's going to cast out the demons from power sector. When the brother went there, he cast out the demons. But he did not know that beyond the demons, there were some principalities. When the man finished casting out the demons, the demons left and said, bro, no, he said, we should go. We will go then you will now find out that we are not your problem. It is your fellow Nigerians. By the time the man was done with doing everything he could do, I believe, as a Christian in that office, just before they left power, he confessed that it seemed that people just determined that things will not work. He confessed. That is as if people have just made up their minds that this country must not go forward. If you are waiting for a government to change the country, forget it. So let's stop waiting for one government to change anything. That's what I'm going to say. Let's stop waiting. 
God does not expect that to happen. God is saying that if I'm going to transform the place, it will be because you and I stirred up our faith. He was complaining that he said there was none that stirred himself up to take hold of him. We need to stir ourselves up, stir up our faith to download the blessing of God from above. This is a duty we have as pastors. Let me tell you something. As ministers of the gospel, hmm? our duty is to every day say to the seeds of Zion, behold your God. If we preach the balanced truth all the time to Christians, they will arise and they will change every nation. That's what I'm saying. We are the ones that hold the key for the redemption of every nation. But my message is that it's not by energy, it's not by a political campaign. Your job is to build up faith and then ask the Lord and he will give you the nations as your own inheritance. That's what I'm preaching today. Your job is to ask God, having built up your faith. If you say, God, let's take a practical example, education. Ah, we can improve it like this, like this. Lord, you know Bishop Oedipo? How many of you know Bishop Oedipo? I know he's not your friend. You hear uh-huh. He's building universities now. Alright? One thing I like about it, personally, is that I heard him say this thing more than 20 years ago. He said he'll go to Arabas University and he'll look. I said, there is nothing there. We can do it. Anywhere he'll go, he'll look at the university. I said, there is nothing there. We can do it. Everywhere he will go, he will look at the university. I say, what is in it? We can do it. So now that he began to do it, I don't know whether you catch what I'm saying. I was personally excited. Next time you are going for holiday, wherever, stop going to go and look at uh, kangaroos and hippopotamus. Stop going to lie on the beach. You are black. You know, some people don't even know why, why white people lie on the beach. Now see some black kids lying on the beach. You are, not, you are too black to lie on any beach. You should run when you see the sun disappear. The sun doesn't even want you. Stop going to lie down. If you go on holiday, for example, if you go to China as an example, next, next holiday, don't move around anyhow. If you, have, if you are the type that travel, go to China. Visit a factory. And just look at it and say, there's nothing in it. We can do it. Go to India. Walk around some factories and say, there is nothing in it. We can do it. Go to one hospital where everybody is flying from here and going there. Walk around the hospital and say, there is nothing in it. We can do it. You know what you are doing? I told you, experience in life, God uses those things to provoke faith in you. When you come out from the place and say, God, give me Scotland or I die. That was what John Knox said. You identify your own field. You are God sent into manufacturing. Say, Lord, give me this thing or I die. That's what they call faith. That's what builds faith up. All these kuru kuru faith. Let me tell you, this faith you are using to believe God. I need a new car. In the name of Jesus, I claim the car. I claim it. Motor car, motor car, motor car. If you, if you will use that same faith to believe God to build factories, you would never think about buying cars. Is how many will buy? Okay, our manager, which types should they be using now? Okay, all right. Uh, the managers, 
No, 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 no. That's not good for their status. No, they, they have to move around a lot. That's what you'll be discussing. Is the day they start insulting you that you're flying private, you realize you're flying private because you thought it was normal transportation. <laughs> you know, it's not good to be poor in this life, oh. You know, when you, you know how people want to talk? Well, can, can you imagine? Do you know how much it is to fly from here to there? You private jet. Meanwhile, if they are just gone to Arik, how much are people charging now? <laughs> how much are people charging from here to Abuja? 27,000. You see? Arik could have carried them for 27,000. The man now flew fuel for only him to go to Abuja and back is 700,000. Can you see how they are wasting money? Once you're talking like that, just know you are, you are poor. You are announcing your poverty. Because the man that flew and burned 750,000 naira to go to Abuja and back, go and check. He discussed and invested and did things that are going to create jobs for 500 extra people over the next three months. One of them is your cousin. The other one is your nephew. Oh, one is you. <laughs> but because you abuse him so much, God won't let you take the job. Like one of my friends said, they're in their company. They can warm up a jet to fly only you to go and get a signature. Yes, to carry you, go pay a flight, do everything. Maybe they've bought like 1.5 million. He said, but their company makes 30 million dollars a day. <laughs> Every day they don't function is 30 million US dollars. Please, I don't want to hear any poverty talk here again. You, let me, let me tell you what God will do to you. You will be insulted in the newspaper for flying private. Say amen. amen. That's punishment for your sins. <laughs> for all the days you are abusing other people, God will say, pay him back. Ask of me. Let me summarize my message. Let's go home. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for an inheritance. Let's rise to our feet. We have to close. Look at the time. Let's rise to our feet quickly. Somebody say faith. Peace. Say destiny. destiny. Say faith. Peace. Say calling. Call. Say faith. Peace. Say mission. mission. By faith, you activate your destiny. By faith, you walk in your calling. By faith, you fulfill the mission that God has for your life. Begin to give him thanks. Say, Lord, thank you. Like I said, listen. Say, Lord, lead me to the faith. Yes, that's a good way to pray it. Say, Lord, lead me to that faith with which I will change my own world. Say, Lord, pour that faith in me. Why is that lead me to the faith that God will start showing you, oh boy, forget this area. Forget this thing. Stop saying this. It starts correcting you. Repentance. Bring that stronghold. Remove it from your heart. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. Have a plan to be a blessing. And then kneel down and say, Lord, Give me Scotland or I die. <laughs> Say, Lord, bring forth resources to, to, with which I will fulfill that calling. That's all faith is about. Faith is not extra food. The same faith you exercise trying to get a car. Use that faith and build a factory and you'll be buying cars for people. Say, Lord, the spirit of faith, the spirit of boldness. I receive it. The spirit of faith, the spirit of boldness. 
Say, Lord, I take hold of the spirit of faith. I take hold of that spirit of faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Alright, the Lord is good. It is well with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And God will pour the spirit of faith to get the nations of the earth subjected to you. He will pour that thing into your heart in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare to you that greatness is your portion. Greatness is your portion. You will fulfill your destiny. Nothing will move you away from your destiny. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that nothing will move you away from your destiny. Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your own inheritance among those who are sanctified. Listen to me, you are being built up in the name of Jesus. And you will receive your inheritance in the name of Jesus Christ. I feel like I send it to somebody, be bold. What did I say? Turn to your neighbor, say be bold. Say be bold. Say be bold. The Lord is with you. Say be bold. The Lord is with you.